Hi, Dave here, and this is my wife, Kathy. Hello! And you are listening, slash looking at, The Cinemile, the podcast where we walk home from the movies. Today we are walking to a movie called Diego Maradona, and you can see us if you're at our live show, and if you're listening to it in your ears, you can't see us because that's how uh, podcasts and work. And we've never filmed ourselves before, so apologies for the fact that we're now hugely self-conscious. We just bought a selfie yeah. stick from a street vendor for £8, bartered him down from £15. It's got a, a union, union jack on it. <laughs> Look at that. Very weird. Can you see that? I don't think you can film a selfie stick. Yeah, um, I just did. Anyway, we look like complete it's idiots. It's a whole new world, video. To, we're used to looking like idiots as we wander the streets podcasting, but we're taking it to next level here, so we need to be quick. Pumped for this movie, can't wait. Yes, and we have a very special guest who will be joining us on stage very soon, the director, Asif Kapadia, and yes. I am very keen to meet him and uh, talk about Senna and Amy and Diego Maradona once we've seen it. What um, do you know about Diego Maradona? Because neither of us know anything about football or him I well it's really interesting because we just watched Senna and I know nothing way. about F1 and actually I had never even heard of Senna so and I absolutely loved it so I know bits about Maradona and clearly I can follow football so I should be in this one can you it. though <laughs> Cathy I've never met somebody who hates football as much I as Cathy I can Kathy. follow it though um, I know he's anyway three things about Diego Maradona I know really good at football that's not a that's not a fact. I know he's got massive hair. Of course hair. he's good at football. He's got massive hair and I know that he did a load of drugs. Okay, so two of those things you could have just gathered from the poster. Um yeah. the drugs. Okay. And what about the hand of god moments? You know about that? No. It's a famous handball that he did in a in one of the world cups I think against England. I hope you're not spoiling and the movie for me because that's crossing could be a road here. point here. That's um, not a spoiler. Did you selfie stick and spoiler, cross the road? He, spoiler, he uses his hand <laughs> and it's a called football, anyway, so you're not supposed we're at to the do that. zone in Bloomsbury. We've never been here before, but this is where the movie was on at a time that suited us. Yeah, there it is. We're going to go uh, go see the movie now. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, I don't know how to film things. We'll yeah. see you on the other side. Bye. Diego Maradona. Cuando entras a la cancha, se va la vida. Se va todo. Diego nació en un lugar muy difícil, la parte más pobre de la ciudad capital. A mí la pelota era el juguete más lindo que había. Esa era mi salvación. Hi, we're out. We've just seen Diego Maradona. Kathy, what do you think of that? I love this. I'm amazed that I could watch a movie for an hour and a half that is half Italian half Spanish and all about football and that I could be like that into it and like <laughs> fist pumping like so excited when he scored goals you like, had a lot of fist pumps I loved it because I mean to me it's basically like a work of like fiction because I've never heard of any of it before and the only thing I knew about Italian 90 was that Ireland hit the quarterfinals yeah we had a brief cameo <laughs> as well it was um, the last great moment of Irish football yeah. but um God, yeah, it was amazing. Like, I, I can't believe, like, such a brilliant subject matter for a documentary because, like, to have that kind of, like, he, he plays for Napoli. He's like a god in that city. And then... They betray him. It's Italy or, or he betrays them. Argentina in, like, a World Cup semi-final in, like, the Napoli stadium. Like, it completely blew my... Like, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. Like, if that happened in a fiction movie, I would think it was 
ridiculous. It's stranger than fiction. Yes, but it's, it's amazing. Also, it was all, you're right, though. It was almost better for us because I didn't know any of this happened <laughs> or what was going to happen. So it was all just a re- revelation, really. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and I felt really, like, moved by it as well. He's such a charismatic... I, I felt more moved by this one than I did by Senna. I think maybe because we saw so much of his family and he's a very emotional person and we saw like he to be so hated and so revered in such a short period of time is just this crazy emotional roller coaster. Yeah, I cried several times. Really? Yeah, no, I thought Did it was uh, all the all the family stuff him as a 15-year-old carrying this know, this burden yeah. and and all and and just the sweetness, the sweet simplicity of his dreams. All his dream was to was to buy a house for his parents. It's so sweet. You know, he never dreamed of the World Cup or anything. But, but enough about us. We need to get oh, to yeah. the live show. All right, we're uh, forgotten. We're just doing normal. Let's, why don't we go talk to the director about the yeah. movie he made? Um, please welcome onto stage uh, us, Dave and Kathy <laughs> from the Cinema. <laughs> Hello, can you hear us? Hey! Yes, we exist in Hello. real life as well. Um, Alright, thanks for watching that excruciating video. Uh, now, we're going to do a live podcast, and we'd like to invite to the stage the director who, they said, revolutionised the documentary. Not our quote. He's Oscar-winning. It's his quote, he just said, he said it about himself. Uh, Oscar-winning, BAFTA-winning... As of Capadia. Have a seat, Asif. Thank Ooh, you so much hello. for being here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yes, this is what podcasts look like. Yeah, I've, I've listened to many, never seen one on the inside. This is it. They, they, we asked them to perfectly recreate our living room. And it's always a sofa. Yeah, it's just Great. like our globe at home. Um, so we saw your movie... Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, you yeah. do. You saw the video. Um, I'm glad you didn't go, you know, during the film and podcast. You know, no, we recorded that for our own personal use <laughs> later. I think that's yeah. okay, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't see any warnings about that. Um, so tell us why? Why? Di- I mean, I mean, well, Senna, Amy, and now Diego. Why? Why Diego? How did you? How did you end up there? Um, it's an interesting one because he. I, I'm a football fan. And I knew about Diego Maradona, probably knew more about him before I made the film than I did about Senna or Amy, um, only because I, you know, I watch football, I remember the World Cups, I read a book about him when I was a student in the late, mid to late 90s about his life, um, which was an amazing book and his, his journey as a, just a character, the kind of poor poverty that he came from and what he achieved, but also the crazy kind of you know, the mess that he kind of got into. Um, I, I thought while I was a student making short films, wouldn't it be great one day to make a film about Diego Maradona? So it, it started in like 96, 97, the, the germ of the idea. And how how did you get all that footage? Because this, like, your, your style is very much you stay in that archive footage, you feel like you're there. But like, you must have had, how many hundreds of hours of footage did you have at your disposal? And then how do you distill that? So it's a, it's a weird one. Making these films um, is it's part kind of filmmaking and kind of you know creative and art. A, na- a large section of it is almost detective work and investigation um, and saying I think there must be you know there's an interesting story that I've heard which takes place at this point in someone's life. 
we've got to find a way to visualize it we've got to find a way to show it someone somewhere's got some photographs or some audio or an answer phone message so then we dig around and we try and meet the people who would have been in that moment in time and if in this case they may be in Buenos Aires they may be in Naples they may live in Rome and you just talk to people until you get to someone who was there and you'll be amazed there's a form of a photograph or some sort of record or a paparazzi was going by or something happened you go there you go there's a moment or if it's not the exact moment it'd be something similar so that the story is kind of worked out i interview people do audio interviews but then at the same time we're looking at for visuals and sometimes the visual informs the audio and sometimes the audio comes first but it's all being rewritten at the same time as was the case with senna and amy as well did did you always intend it to be based in this sort of very focused period of his life in Italy or did that happen as you were doing that process we we actually researched everything so so the i always have a very long version of my films which are like sometimes 4 or 5 hours long and we screened them and you have to bring packed lunch and everything you know um and they're really messy and i bring what your packed lunch or the the packed pack lunch the is a mess because it's dark you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um no what, what the films are kind of purposely they're not finished you know we're showing it to kind of a close group of trusted people just to gauge where do they kind of stay with it where do they lose interest where does it pick up again and in this film it took originally i don't know has anyone here actually seen it in the audience this is good on a podcast okay great who's, who's seen amy <laughs> yes. here by the way and and senna okay so you uh, many of you will know different films so you know the style so so, so the rest of you don't know who any of us are yeah <laughs> this is a great start they're here for the other thing that got switched <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the, it took like in this film it took 45 minutes to get to naples in an earlier cut and it was half an hour after naples so it was a much longer film but through this kind of working progress screenings we figured out actually it seems like the heart of the movie has to be it starts well, no matter what we do it always starts when he gets to Italy and that's where he becomes the best player in the world that's where he gets to the high point but also all of his problems begin there so it felt like we have to go with the story and my aim is always you know with the team to make this into a film that you see at the cinema yeah. as with the other two so rather than doing TV series now where you kind of can go on forever I wanted it to feel like a feature which means you have to make some tough calls. I, I would recommend getting Kathy into your next five-hour cut session because she is the most ruthless editor I've ever met. And also, <laughs> she doesn't know anything about football um, or Diego Maradona and was enthralled by this, weren't you? I mean, I, I, I was shocked at how much I loved this movie because I loved Senna. Amy Winehouse was amazing, even though, you know, I found it, like, deeply upsetting. Um, but, th- but this is different because he's still alive and... And honestly, I knew nothing of the story, and I didn't know Senna either. Um, and you're I just, the audience, you see. <laughs> I mean, you're the audience. Do you, make, do you make these movies for Cathy? <laughs> yeah, because it's interesting, because if you are a, a football nut, then generally the first thing is, oh, why don't you put that in? And I, I think this is really interesting, and it should have had more of that. And I, So it's always the difficult balance is people who know their football or know about Diego Maradona, and people, honestly, like yourself, who don't know anything, because I'm almost more interested in getting people who don't watch football to come and see Diego Maradona as I do with Senna you know you don't have to be into Formula 1 to watch it if you are you're going to get something else you're going to get a different reading of it um, you don't have to love Amy to go and watch Amy because it's essentially they're about characters yeah. really interesting characters hopefully and what was the difference in making this movie versus the previous in having kind of the main character still alive do you know it's almost the opposite of what people would assume by having someone who's alive you'd think it'd be more difficult um, and there'd be more involvement but actually I think I would say now there was more involvement 
when we made Senna and Amy with, you know, the people in control of the estates or family members, there was more of an opinion than this one, which, honestly, nobody from his team has seen the film. Like, we tried to show it to Maradona before we finished it. I was like, the first person I want to show it to is Diego Maradona. It's really important. Because I interviewed him four or five times. I went to see him when he was living in Dubai. And uh, pretty much he has a sofa just like this. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. We asked for it to be shipped <laughs> and, in and from Dubai. And he was sat on his sofa watching his favourite team, Boca Juniors, on TV while I was interviewing him. And when he went to the toilet, I kind of muted the sound. I thought it might be easier if we just turned the sound off. But that, I did his interviews with him. And I met him four or five times. And... The plan was to go back and show him the film when it was nearly done, just before we locked it off. Um, and we never could get to him. It was one of those, he was travelling the world, you know, he was really busy, he was going to be at the World Cup. And they said, come to Moscow, you know, last year's World Cup. And I'm like, I don't think it would be the right time to show him the film. If anyone saw Maradona at the World Cup, it was not the right time to show him <laughs> Why, the film. What was he doing at the World Cup? Yeah, anyone see it? I mean, he was, he was not in a good way. <laughs> right, okay. He was not in a good way. There's a couple of shots at the very end of the film when he's um, quite big. Watch it. That's from the World ah. Cup in Moscow. Um, so, so in the end, he hasn't seen it, and his kind of lawyer and agent hasn't seen it. His ex-wife has, um, kind of his trainer, Signorini, all of the other people in the film, his children have seen it, but Diego Maradona himself still hasn't seen the film. Wow. So, weirdly enough... That didn't happen with Senna and Amy. You know, we had to show it to the entourage. We had to show it to the family members or the estate um, and kind of the stakeholders in a legacy. But in this case, by being alive, they really didn't care. Do, do you think he's... Or they were, were a bit worried about what was in the film. Well, you don't really... Depending you know, on the reading of it. You know, well, maybe well, that they don't want to know what's in the film. Well, you don't pull... You know, you don't, you don't gloss over any of the, the sort of the upsetting things about his character and you know, certainly you focus a lot on, on, on the infidelities and the uh, the illegitimate love child in the, in the in the 80s so i mean how, well you had to sit on that sofa and talk to him about uncomfortable subjects like that how how did he take that i i i tried on the first interview asking him a few um, i thought easy questions and straight away he said, don't bring her up. I never want to hear about her ever again. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cross that one out. Um, let's talk about, you know, your first agent who, who essentially, he hired two Argentinian cameramen to follow Diego Maradona around. Back in 1981, Diego Maradona's first agent hired a couple of guys because he thought this guy's going to be a superstar. So we must record it because one day he's going to be huge in America. So a lot of the footage, a lot of the behind-the-scenes footage was shot specially for Diego Maradona. Wow. So that's really like the beginnings of this movie. And, and so I mentioned the agent. I said, you know, tell us about Jorge, who, who hired his cameraman. Don't bring him up. He stole from me. I'm like, okay, cross that one out. <laughs> so, so it was really like, these were the easy questions. I hadn't got to page two, which had the tough ones. So I thought, let's just keep it simple. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your mum. Let's talk about your dad. And then he was more comfortable and happier. And he was actually much more comfortable talking about his background, his childhood, the poverty that he came from. He was able to talk about that. When it got tricky, it took a while. And I ended up saving them up for like the third or the fourth interview when I said, I've got to deal with his issues. They're in the film. I've got to talk to him about it. And as you mentioned, it is to do with his addiction. It is to do with children that he had that he didn't recognize. Um, relationships with women, relationships with the underworld. Because at times this feels a bit like watching a kind of early Scorsese film or something. You know, it's kind of mean streets at times. So all of that, it took a while to get there. We did get there. Every time you hear his voice in the film, he's talking about his issues. But it was one of those, he got, he got quite annoyed at one point. He kind of looked me in the eye and he was like, you know, you've got a real nerve <laughs> asking me these questions to my face. You've got a nerve. Now, 
I don't speak Spanish or Italian, so I was getting a live translation. And generally, when he's talking, I'm kind of nodding and smiling. So he's saying this to me, and I'm nodding and smiling. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, the translation comes. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Did you say, um, I read a previous interview where you said that his daughters were in part what got you access to this footage? So the babies, the kids in there, that Dalmar and Janina are, we spoke to them who are now in their 30s, low 30s, and they've got their own children now. Um, and they were, Dalmar, his first daughter, was the person really who spoke to his mum, her mum, in order to say, you know, I think you should be a part of this. And they also spoke to him. Uh, because he was very much of the this film's called Diego Maradona it's about me why do you need to talk to anyone else <laughs> and we were well, like well you know the Maradona. way they work we talk to everyone and he's like yeah but why you know you, yeah, it's about me um, but it was, to get to him wasn't that easy so actually just to, for him to understand we had to talk to his ex-wife we had to talk to people who were there as part of his life the kids were very good at kind of opening those doors yeah you, you talk well you talk a lot in the movie about well you don't talk but the your, your movie sort of presents this idea of these two personalities you know you've got Diego and you've got Maradona and I think it's his coach who sort of brilliantly puts it like that it sounds like you you interviewed Maradona did you ever get to meet Diego it's a good question you know if you imagine there's a spectrum and you've got Diego there and Maradona there I felt while we were making a film that the person that I was meeting was on the far end of the Maradona spectrum but I'm making a film about Diego here so it's almost like I'm meeting someone and interviewing him and he's alive, but I'm making a film about someone else who's no longer with us. And yeah, so, very much his younger self. Yeah, you know, that young kind of vulnerable character that arrives in Naples with the kind of bright eyes and smile and a big fluffy hair isn't the guy that I met. Now, I don't know if that happens to all of us, but particularly if you've lived a life like he has led and actually died a few times, you know, he's been pronounced dead about three or four times. Then he comes back and he's got a TV show. And then he dies and then something else happens. He's kind of incredible. He's made more, many more comebacks than Jesus. So I think I, I, the person, in a way that I was making the film about, who arrived in Naples, is no longer with us. And that kept coming up in the interviews about, I wish you could go back. I wish you could go back to that guy. So this concept of the split personality came out of a lot of the interviews. But it was his trainer, Signorini, Fernando Signorini, who's one of the key voices in the film, who really, I would say, knows Diego Maradona better than Diego Maradona does. He knows his body and his mind better than anyone. He really summed it up as, you know, literally it was Diego and his Maradona. And he loved one guy and the other guy he didn't ever want to be near. Um, but yeah, I'm meeting that guy at that end of the spectrum at this point of his life. He's nearly 60 now, but you know, his body's lived a lot more than 60 years. So, I mean, it, it sounds in some ways that that almost might have benefited you if you're making a movie about someone who's no longer there and you're following off Amy and Senna. Yeah, and, and they do feel very much like three, three, a three piece, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they are, they are kind of a trilogy of films. And the idea if I was going to do a third one, the challenge was to make a film about someone who was alive because it was a different challenge and because he's a very tricky character to nail down and to talk to and to meet and it's only through meeting someone do you understand well is he the most reliable witness for his own story you know we do a lot of really forensic research a bit like you know investigative kind of detective work or journalism but then you meet someone and if they say the absolute opposite in your interview do you go with what he said because he's saying it or do you go with what all of the evidence is saying I think that was the interesting challenge his trainer Signorini did say to us you know when, when I was about to go meet Maradona he said um, you know be, be aware you're going to be in the presence of one of the world's greatest liars you know <laughs> that's what he is he's, he's someone who's always creating his own narrative 
he always comes up with a version of his truth which is what makes him interesting and challenging I guess he's fascinating and again as I didn't know any of this watching the movie and I'm paraphrasing but somebody speaks about that 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 World Cup game where he does the hand of God and they said this is why everyone loves him and why he's so famous because on one hand he's just scored this goal which is you know demonstrates that he's like the best football player in the world and the other one just shows what a cheat he is and that was fascinating and and he does have that cheeky kind of like watching the movie I I very much felt sympathetic towards him and I felt like he is someone I would have wanted to meet and 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 it's really fascinating to see like the toll drugs can take on somebody which obviously is in the Amy doc as well but also the fame which is in both of the docs which is just so fascinating and then what they were doing to his body like before those matches as someone who has lots of back pain I was wincing there like injecting him before matches and he's doing cocaine for like four days in a row then he's coming off like his body must have just been destroyed it was um he was you know it was the 80s in naples yeah and so you know this idea of how athletes were treated if you've got an injury they give you an injection of some drug and then when he went out at night he would take another drug and then he would somehow say well on you know he'd go out sunday night monday tuesday wednesday and he'd start training on thursday friday in order to play again so he talks about a typical week in his life which you know it's just unheard of it's quite crazy but a lot of it is all you know numbing the pain in one form or another Mm -hmm. whether it's kind of professionally or personally and I think that's the interesting thing that his life is part Senna because he's like this Latin American hero but it's also part Amy because he is actually a bit of a lost child at times who just needs a cuddle and needs his mum and dad and you know but he, he as a child was taken away from home that's mm-hmm. what happens when you're a footballer. At the age of 15, he's basically the main earner. He gets them out of a shanty town, gets them a home and gets swept off to Europe. And so that, that challenge of dealing with it, he ends up turning to drugs and, and is still, you know, trying to stay away from kind of addiction and temptation. Yeah, and especially it must be such a strange thing to have been so physically fit in your youth and to be so unhealthy now. It's it's really sad actually and I loved how you told the film and that we didn't see what he looks like now until the very end because I actually hadn't realised and it was really shocking um, and and yeah we kind of wanted to get into talking about your filmmaking which is so interesting the way you follow um, for all the movies the footage and only the footage which is why people have talked about you and reinventing the documentary because there's no talking heads your voice is never there it's just the people who've been in that situation and it's the footage in in very linear fashion albeit there's some back to the childhood how did you develop that style and how did you because Senna was your first documentary right you were a fiction short film before that I've made feature films previously mm-hmm. before before Senna um, but all of my short films and my feature films were very visual the stories were always told with the images so when I started to make Senna there was just this instinct because I didn't come from a documentary background and often kind of documentary filmmakers will start with an interview and they'll interview someone on camera and the visuals come to kind of intercut with what is said in an interview whereas I have always come at it the opposite way which is I always start with the visuals and do a lot of research to say what already exists and particularly with Senna because he wasn't alive when I started making a film I can't interview him and I wanted the story to be told from his point of view that was the big thing if I write a script for a fiction film or tell a fiction film I want the central character to narrate the story so I wanted to do a documentary in the same way now if they're not alive I've got to find a way for Ayrton Senna to talk I've got to find a way for Amy to talk so Senna was very eloquent very well educated was an amazing kind of intellect and he would express everything that he was doing 
and took it very seriously and personally and he also had a very kind of deep spirituality he could express himself so I was like his interviews are amazing if we keep looking we'll find a way for him to tell his life story with Amy it was slightly different because for a period when she was young and she was kind of happy and clean before fame really she was really eloquent witty intelligent and then when fame came along that's when kind of her trouble started we had a real problem she stopped talking and that's when the idea came her lyrics are her voice Mm -hmm. and if I can highlight the lyrics on screen she can keep talking even when she in interviews shut down so for each film it's often the director's role is to have a very simple concept with Senna it was just like let him tell the story let's stay in the present if you do it with interviews the audience will become aware very quickly well you're interviewing everyone but him was did he not want to be a part of the film is he not around they start thinking about the end point and I want them to forget the end point so with each of them the idea is to tell the story but to find one simple idea which makes the film unique so with Amy it was the lyrics for me and with Maradona we knew we had him there so we had his voice but it was actually just focusing on one period that was a microcosm of a very long life where Senna and Amy died you know Senna died at 34 Amy died at 27 Diego 60 still going so it's twice as long a period to deal with but you've still got the same screen time so we had to make some tough calls so that that whole style is where the kind of visual style Mm. came from so do you think if Senna hadn't been your first documentary and had had access to a subject it might have been different I think partly for me the instinct for doing that film was I do love sport so I've watched a lot of these races and the idea of I like the drama mm-hmm. of, of the kind of reality that comes from certain characters and sport and in that case it was like the rivalry that made it work Senna and Prost two people that expressed themselves via driving which is a really weird thing but you know he sort of drove a certain way and his great rival drove another way Amy found a way of expressing herself I never really thought about it Amy was like a method actor the way she performed. She's a jazz musician. Depending on her mood, that's how she's going to sing. She never sang the same way twice. And I found that really interesting. That's why she was never going to be a perfect pop star because they just went up, sing the bloody record. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I'm going to change the lyrics because I feel different today. And I found that really amazing. So it's always just about expressing the character via whatever it is they do as a profession. So Maradona plays football, like you mentioned earlier, the handball and the greatest goal ever, three minutes apart. That's him. He's a street guy. He's a cheat. He's cunning. He's also the best player in the world. Mm -hmm. All in one body. And I think the idea is how do you show that? That's always the aim of the films. Not an opinion of a uh, talking head. Let the images tell you the story at each time. That's what makes them hopefully movies. It's what makes them so unique as well, I think, which is why, like, you know, you're such a kind of substantive director because it's so fascinating to watch. And it was with Amy, it was the, the subject matter I knew very well. And what really surprised me watching it was I realised I didn't know her lyrics because of how she sings and obviously she had a couple of really big hits that you know the choruses of. But I was like, oh my God, she's an amazing writer. And I was so pleased that you had the lyrics on screen because I would never have realised. I I, I didn't know. I didn't know she, you know, really she created the music as well. Mm. She played the guitar. She wrote the songs. She would design the tracks and then producers would come along and add the music. And great producers worked with her. But I personally loved her music the most when you stripped away all her production Mm -hmm. and just hear the raw voice and emotion each time. And so with all of these films, I guess it's about stripping away what you think you already know mm-hmm. with Senna trying to get under the skin of this guy and get into his head even though when he's racing you know he's 200 miles an hour going round and round in circles wearing a helmet you can't even see him I'm like how can we get into his mind so you understand what he's going through 
and same with Amy who on screen you know a lot of people thought she's in a mess look at her she's you know she's stupid she can't be that clever then you realise she was so smart so intelligent so sharp and those lyrics like you said are amazing and Maradona's another kind of end he's really smart and really cunning and brilliant at what he does so I guess if they have something in common they're all super intelligent and they found a way to express themselves through whatever field they excelled in mm-hmm. that, that's interesting how you describe you know stripping these characters back and you spend hundreds of hours with them and it, which is a very interesting particularly for Senna and Amy because the, you, the, I presume you never met them in reality so like how does that how do you, how does that sit with you this sort of idea of getting so intimate with a subject matter who you've never met and you know is it almost like you're crossing a barrier because they must feel like intimately almost like friends or family to you almost. we spend years making them you know Senna was five years Amy and uh, Maradona were about three years each and a lot of it is just spent when, when we find this footage it's not dated you don't know when it took place so a lot of the time is just looking at their eyes and looking at their haircut or their body shape and trying to guess is that 1987 or is it 1981 you know you, you, you spend a lot of time studying them and, and generally with these films there is a moment when you could say Amy's eyes are really bright she's really happy and then it's gone something's gone in her eyes same thing happened with Maradona there's a turning point where you can see something changed in their lives and now they just look inherently unhappy and often it's the moment when they succeed the moment when they reach the height height of fame is often linked to suddenly there's an unhappiness there and with Amy it was you know she becomes successful Back to Black comes out everyone loves the tracks but it's her relationships in a bad way and in a mess and that fame she's not built to deal with it Maradona it's winning the World Cup you know it's almost winning the World Cup at the height of fame suddenly he looks terrified when he's got the World Cup and he goes home and that's when he makes the decision to deny his son you know so at the same point at the height of fame is when he decides to lie and then you look at the next shot and he's like something's changed and so a lot of it is just studying to understand their personality and their characters and then you're digging in to say why what happened how do I show that who was there at the time who can I interview and that's the process of kind of the investigation part of it and, and a similar thing happens to Senna particularly towards the end and the issues with the, the, the technicalities of the car and I loved the, the very end of Senna spoiler alert for the end of well it's real life, isn't it? Well, I um, didn't know. <laughs> and somebody told me before. Okay, well, I won't spoil what happens you to You can do the match of the day. Turn away now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's, a, there's a line, I think it's the closing line of the movie, where he's asked in an interview uh, something like, what's, what's your favourite memory? What's your favourite racing moment? And it's go-karting. It's that, it's that sort of going back to the childhood. So even after all those successes... He he ran out of sort of fuel chasing these these highs and just reminisced about those glory days and and it feels like you as you say there's a there's a commonality with all three of this success being a trap almost yeah with Senna it was you know his great rival was someone you'd never heard of heard of it was a guy that was a go kart driver who Senna never beat and and it was just this idea there was a simplicity it wasn't about money it wasn't about politics it was just pure racing and that's what he loved with Amy she was like a jazz singer she just wanted to sing she didn't want all the fame and with Maradona in a way he just liked to play and of course the politics and the drugs and the bands and everything that goes wrong in his life 
takes away his simple ability to go and play football. So weirdly enough, if there's a theme, there's a simplicity in all of their lives, which they just love doing, but they're really good at it. They become successful. And becoming successful means the thing they love is taken away. And I think that, that is evidently a theme. It's not a conscious decision when I started the films, but that came out of the process of research and editing. And it's the vested interest. So with, you know, with Senna, he's locked into this car that he was dying to race and it's suddenly no good anymore because they've kind of changed it's it. It's about politics as well. Yeah. You know, it's about the system that each of them is fighting against a big system. And they're always slightly outside the system, I feel. That, I'm interested in those characters that are outsiders. Mm-hmm. And I think with... I think the reason a- Amy felt much sadder than the other two is because while Senna and Maradona are locked into big money contracts, there's a point in the Amy documentary where actually she's not committed to any more gigs. And then she goes to do them because it seems like familial pressure or pressure from her manager. And it's when she... It's so sad to watch because actually if someone is really looking out for you in your life, that's not what you would be doing. And there was no financial obligation. That's what's so astounding about it. The other two I get to a point, you know, Maradona wants to leave. They won't let him. He's locked into a contract. You have to play. And that moment in Maradona when when we see it flipping and he's like the bell of the ball. And this actually got quite a laugh in our cinema, but I don't know if you intended that. When it cuts to his Christmas party and he's on his own and our because it was such a shocking moment I think it was nervous laughter because it was so it was such a high and such a low and yeah the other thing that got a laugh in our cinema was the hand of God Um, well there's still a lot of in France they clapped during that (laughs) (laughs) of course well there's still a lot I would imagine there's a lot of it's English really people it's really interesting today, how right? these films actually when I, particularly Maradona wherever I go in the world or whoever I talk to everyone has a personal connection so I was in Dublin when we showed the film and everyone started booing when, when Ireland got knocked out by Italy <laughs> and of course Ireland and I talked to an Australian journalist and they'll go oh yeah yeah he knocked us out of the World Cup in 1994 for the qualifying go, oh yeah I forgot so everyone had their kind of experience of Maradona because it's football I guess everywhere mm-hmm. you go so in Italy they view it one way depending on if it's southern Italy or northern Italy and in Argentina it's very emotional for them watching their film about their kind of young hero Um, and in England obviously there's a lot of people you've got to kind of undo the hand of God um, well well, how do do you guys feel in the crowd there How how do you feel about Diego Maradona right now give us a cheer if you think he's a great we've got a thumbs up that's great for a podcast thank you (laughs) go ahead shout if you if you really if you really think Diego Maradona is a misunderstood character give us a cheer if you think he's just an awful cheating prick, give us another cheer. Oh, wow, right. Yes. Still a lot of hatred here. We need That's to take the show on later. the road to Ireland. We get a very different reaction to that no, question. No, it's Thierry Henry. We have the issue with Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> move. It's the nice guy, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, do, do you feel, having like gotten so close to these three people, do you feel a particular connection with one in particular, all of them? Or I mean, they're all different. Because you spend so much time in their life almost and and meeting everyone around them you know you I'm aware of lots of people now around Amy and some of her first manager Nikki is a mate of mine now you know he came across so well in the documentary really amazing and sweet and so they become friends and people within the Senna you know Senna now if I see him race I've had Alan Prost still like a few weeks ago having a go at me in the press so (laughs) you end up becoming part of the story because I made a film you know the clue is in the title it's called Senna so obviously it's not that pro Prost but he is like he's four times world champion he's still alive he's got a great life 
but he's still really pissed off with me for making the film in a way. So and, uh, funny. Well, he does come across as the villain in a way, and I, I'm not saying that you made that happen. He's I'm just the antagonist to our protagonist. Oh, it's I'm just a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you love sport, they don't all love each other when they're racing each other. They're not yeah. all mates before they box. You know, they hate each other, and then they can be mates in retirement. And Senna didn't get that chance. But in this case, you know, I've met the family. I know Fernando Signorini. I know all of these people around Diego Maradona. So you just you know, and, and the question that gets asked a lot is, oh, who's better? Is it Messi or Ronaldo or Maradona? And so you end up getting involved in the arguments as well. Um, yeah. The answer is Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> and re- Amy Winehouse's dad wasn't happy with you, right, after that? I mean, he's the only person, but, you know, the nature of these films is I'm just showing what happened. Exactly, yeah. Again, it's not talking heads, not my opinion. People did what they did, and we have to do and the essence of the story. Um everyone else who's seen the film they may not have said it publicly but privately they've all said it's honest the film's straight that's what happened you know we needed someone on the outside I'm, I'm not in the music business I don't owe anyone anything mm-hmm. I don't want an album or something I mean it would be nice but <laughs> I wasn't in it for that um, and so it was like I just wanted to show what was happening to be truthful to her yeah. that's what happens during the films you start kind of in a way getting involved in these characters and you're just like you want to do right by Amy and we've got to somehow reveal the truth, which everyone involved found it very difficult to speak up. I think the and, St. Lucia footage was the footage for me that was just devastating to think of. You've taken time to look after yourself and get away. Because the English paparazzi were so awful to her and to get away from that. And then for your dad to come with his own reality TV show and film it, it just, I mean, that is so telling as footage. That's the kind of footage where a talking head would have just ruined it because they're telling us what we can see. And yeah, I find that really, really like I nearly wanted to turn it off at that point because it was just really sad. Do you find it hard to remove yourself or your own judgments and 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 biases from this thing? It's a it's a good question because I suppose if I were making things for the BBC or somewhere where you traditionally you have to now now have the other point of view. I'm making movies. You're allowed to have a point of view. You're allowed to say this is what I think. This is what I want to show. It's not about trying to be impartial. I'm very partial. You know, I do a lot of research. I talk to everyone. I spend years making the films. I have an opinion. My job is to show it. We have lawyers. We have everyone. Everything has to be kind of okayed before it can get out on the big screen. And so I'm not interested in making impartial work. I want to have an opinion and express it, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Um, and then, you know, the audience can take it as they want. You know. And we did want to talk very briefly because even though neither of us are sports fans, we absolutely love sports movies. Um, and I feel like Senna and Maradona are like two of the great sports movies now. And, Let's you know, end it there. Yeah, like the, <laughs> thank you for coming, everyone. The, um, you know, the core to me, the core of a really good sports movie is you've got people who are outsiders, often people who are underprivileged, which we know wasn't Senna's case. And that rivalry, and to I mean, the Senna rivalry was just epic. It was it felt like like Apollo and Rocky. Like that's what it felt like. Um, no higher know. praise. <laughs> do, so, do you did you feel when making those movies influenced by the sports genre, or is it just was it stranger than fiction? How great those narratives were. I mean, the the only documentary that I remember seeing at the cinema about sport is when we were kings, the Muhammad Ali film, which mm-hmm. is a brilliant film, and I, I love Muhammad Ali. And I remember thinking. 
you know, I don't want to see anyone pretending to be Muhammad Ali. I just want Muhammad Ali being Muhammad Ali. And it's one of those sort of things of when we made Senna, that was key. It was like, I know people had tried in the past to make a feature film about him. I think Antonio Banderas was supposed to play him and Michael Mann was going to direct it. And thank God it never happened, you know, because mm-hmm. like, I just, you know, people pretending to drive a car fast. I don't know if I'm bothered <laughs> about that. Senna's genuinely doing it. He's risking it his life. He's got, you know, movie star looks. And he is, he should be on the big screen. So, yeah, When We Were Kings was the only doc that I can think of. There's not many movies. There's a few other documentaries. Hoop Dreams is a great sporting doc. I don't know if you've ever seen that about basketball. Fantastic film by Steve James. And that was a reference in a way because he spent like seven years following two young basketball players in America. And it's really, it's about the American system of, you know, these poor kids. If they succeed, they can go to college because they're black. And they're from Chicago. If they don't, they're not going to get an education. So wow. it's a really great film. I thoroughly recommend Hoop Dreams if you haven't seen it. And what, what about fiction sports movies? What's your favourite? Or what, what stands out for you? Could you can have to help pantheon. me. I'm, 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 I'm on a short list of... Apart what? from Rocky that you've already I mean, mentioned. The best. Kathy, what's two, your favourite? You, you say your favourite. My favourite sports movie answer. is definitely League of Their Own. League of Their Own? Yeah, I love that movie. Why? Oh, round of applause for a league of their own. It's just an amazing movie. It's such a great cast. I've not seen it. What's it about? It's about baseball. That one, Gina Davis. Gina Davis, Tom Hanks, and Madonna. Popular um, there. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Big Madonna fans It here. does have the, you know, the story of the outsiders because it's about women. They're only playing because it's World War II and the men are at war. And you end up with these two rivals who are sisters. So it's that core white right. rivalry. Like, they really have to prove themselves before the men get back from war. Like, and, and it's about baseball. It's about so baseball, which I have no interest in. Bad News Bears, the original one. Yeah. Or Slapshot. Who's seen Slapshot? That's a good one. There you go. We're going back a bit here. Two people. Oh, okay, we'll have to catch Slapshot. <laughs> Rollerball. I don't know. Um, this your... is the section of the podcast where we're just going to shout movie titles yeah. at you. <laughs> and you Has anyone got a great one? Best sports movies. Is that rollerball. Moneyball. Moneyball. Oh, Moneyball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh that that's pretty boring one. though. That's all about numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a sports that's movie. That's a good movie. That's an accountant movie. The Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. Yes. That's a great one. And um, we wanted to get. Oh. They get... Raging. Raging. Oh my Bull. god. End of podcast, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Martin Thank Scorsese, you for Raging Bull. That of is course. That's actually, I mean, I can't believe it. I don't even think about it as a boxing film, but of course it's my favourite film. Well, the best well, sports movies are ones that are not defined by the sports, they're defined by how great the movie is. It's the greatest one. Yeah. Um, boxing just works as a yeah. movie, you know. It's got the frame, it's got, you know, this restricted space. It's two people smashing the hell out of each other. And in black and white with Raging Bull. And it's made by the world's greatest filmmaker. So, you know, that is the one. Rage, end of. No one's going to beat okay, Raging no Bull. Okay, no more. <laughs> um, is, um, is Scorsese an influence for you then? You've mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I'm a huge Mike Scorsese fan. And actually, I'll give, you, I'll give you the references. Raging Bull was the film that I thought about when we were making Senna. Because I looked at it and I said, you know, uh, Jake LaMotta had about 157 fights or something in his career. But how many fights can you put in one movie? And I think there are about seven or eight. And each fight is different visually to the, to the previous one. And each one is about forwarding the character. Somehow it's got to develop the character. So with Senna, we use it as a reference. So how many races can you have in a film about a Formula One driver? And actually it's about seven or eight. Oh, that's amazing. And each one is there for a reason. Not because it's a brilliant bit of driving. It is that. But it's also about a key moment in his life and career. So, th- so Raging Bull was a really good reference also for Amy. How many songs can you have? You can't put every song she ever made. So you have to pick a certain number. And it just sort of around seven or eight is the maximum. And you have to pick 
the songs that somehow move her character on mm-hmm. in order to take you to the next stage of the story. Um, so I think Rage and Bull is the one that is the reference for all great movies from now onwards. I okay, brilliant. <laughs> right. um, uh, and before we get to the audience Q&A, we wanted to say thank you so much um, for doing... We've never done a live show before, so we're, we were just so thrilled. I thought thrilled. this was a rehearsal. <laughs> it's the rehearsal. <laughs> we're so thrilled to have had you come on and talk to us. It's just so fascinating. We could talk to you all yeah, day. But, uh, before, before we talk to the audience, what's, what's next for you, Asif? We're going to go and see something over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> great, right. Lana Del Rey tonight. Yeah, yeah. Sons of Kenny, I think. Who else are we seeing? We have my wife and kids are there. We've got a few. Celeste. Yeah, we saw Celeste at um, Love Supreme. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. And now I'm sure the audience has got loads of questions for you. So Dave's going to jump down off the stage All right, there. I'll come down with the... No, can I, can I come down with this? Oh, no, look, we have a little mic set up there. All right, who's got, who's got a question? Hands up if you want to ask us. Oh, my God, so many. All right. Uh, you could just start, queue up at the mic. Start with Kobe. Yeah, Because we know him. Yeah, and then the man behind up. Kobe. Oh, it's Reese. Hello. It's just people we know. We there did not Pop plan them. Hi, guys. Big fan of the podcast. Well done. Yeah, hi. <laughs> uh, Asif, um, is there any fibre in your being that would have been pleased if Maradona had died before the film came out? Oh, <laughs> wow. Dark. Given, the, given, wow. The, given dark. the Amy. Given dark, the Amy. man. It's, it's dark, but also <laughs> it presents a different opportunity, a different story for, for the film. That's why it says any fibre in your being. No, you be, I don't be very careful no, how you I, don't, this. I didn't want it to happen, but <laughs> there was always a moment of saying it could happen. You know, it could happen at any point. You're thinking, I don't know what state is in, because we would set up a interview and his people would say, oh, he's not in a good way right now. Give it a few months. So we'd have to wait. And you just never knew. In his case, he'd generally leave one country and end up somewhere else. So he, he uh, was fine. But right now, he's not well right now. You know, so you just don't know how serious things are going to get. There is one really kind of sad thing. His, his first agent, Jorge Sisterspieler, who hired the two cameramen to film him, I was going to Argentina to film, to interview him amongst other people in Buenos Aires. This is not funny at all. He did commit suicide. Oh. He, he killed himself. As, you know, we had planned to interview him and we were going to fly to Buenos Aires. And then a few weeks before we flew there, he committed suicide. So this is real stuff. These are real people. That's the thing. You never know what's going on in people's personal lives when you're trying to make a film like this. So that's where you have to be very sensitive. You mm-hmm. know, you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what the backstory is. But that actually happened. Does anyone have a question that doesn't involve death and suicide? Yes, this man. Thank you. And while he's walking up to the microphone, I will fill this podcast silence with the sound of my own voice. And that's how you do a podcast. Hi, Asif. Um, question regarding the Senna film. Um, were, there, were there any difficulties in getting the race footage? Was it politics or money? Because I know the FIA and Bernie Eccleston and everything tried to throw a cloud over anybody and retain the rights. Yeah, yeah. We were dealing with Bernie Eccleston. So my producer, James Gay Reese, was the one who started that film off. And... It took a long time to do the deal between Bernie Eccleston, the Formula One authorities, the Senna family, and uh, Working Title and Universal Studios. So that deal took about a year, wow. at least, just while I was waiting to start on the film. Uh, so for about nine months, I was working on the film and not being paid. So we were waiting for the deal to get signed. So it was very complicated. The really complicated bit was when I decided to do it entirely with Archive, and it wasn't something that had been budgeted for. We were like millions over budget every time I showed that mad five-hour cut of clips. And so we 
had to renegotiate a contract with Bernie Eccleston, which not many people do. <laughs> but actually, my producers were able to do it because he loved the film and because of Senna, it happened. And we were able to get a deal so that we could do the entire film with Formula One footage. So, but it is a lot of money and politics, a little bit of art generally in there. Anybody else? This man up here, racing up to the front. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, do you have anyone in mind for your next documentary? Whether you wish to reveal or not. Are you auditioning? Yeah. Is this it? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, um, I, right now, I feel like if there's a subject matter, rather than doing a biography of a single person, I feel like it's kind of the state of politics. It's the state of what the hell is going on right mm-hmm. now with like, loads of fascists in power. So uh, if I was going to do something, it's somehow connecting the dots maybe between all these people that various brilliant journalists at The Guardian have already been doing. That's the thing that seems most I'm most interested by. Um, and if I were to give you an answer today, that it's something to do with what the hell is going on in the world. I don't think it's an accident. They're somehow all connected. Mm. Ah. There you go. You, you haven't even made the film yet, and it's a hit. Yeah, we love, love it. it. I think you. I think um, I'd love to see a film about uh, two podcasters, maybe like a married couple. Uh, maybe they they walk, they record their walks home from the, I don't know from the movies. Uh, it's just go. Who knows? It could be you know. great. Sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any more questions? I know this is like I'm a compare. I shouldn't really be doing questions. About it. <laughs> no, Andy, uh, you're absolutely entitled. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned like boxing always being like the perfect film. Would you ever make a film? I know you've just said you're not going to do a bio right away, but would you ever think of doing a film about a boxer? And if so, which boxer? Living or dead? It's already been done when we were kings, but you know my my hero is Muhammad Ali. So it's just whether or not there's any way I could do anything that hasn't already been said about him, or somehow connecting the dots. But um, my, I have a love hate relationship with boxing. I I grew up watching it, but obviously there's times when you're watching people getting brain damage, and then you suddenly go off it uh, when people get older. So now I'm quite troubled by it. I'm not really into kind of the MMA sort of stuff people kicking each other in the head um so i've i've gone off it but really that would have been the one if i could have done if i could do something new on muhammad ali or get some access to him uh he's the one i don't think there's any other boxer that comes close really what's your favorite sport as if football right. liverpool <laughs> Look at that. i would say a champions league final <laughs> would would you like to make a Liverpool doc or is that too close to the bone? Too close. Not interested. Right. I don't want to distract Jurgen Klopp in any way or form. <laughs> I'd rather make one about Man City and destroy them from the inside. <laughs> Tear them apart. He's using his powers reveal, for evil. Reveal the corruption at its heart. Ooh. Right. You make Allegedly. <laughs> Definitely your or next not. one. Yeah. We've got a scoop. The Daily Mail journalists are running to the, to the phone. Um, uh, I think we've time for one more question. If there's any more. Oh, we've got another one here. <laughs> <laughs> As a football fan, do you think Maradona is the best player who's ever lived? But the kind of time that I've been around, I never saw Pele play. I didn't really see Cruyff play. But the reason why I think Maradona is, is because he did win the World Cup, which everyone would say it's the best case of a sort of a single player in a team sport taking an average team to win the World Cup. No one's ever come close in the World Cup. He then is of an era, which I grew up in, where you only had a couple of foreign players in each team. Okay, So he took a team, Napoli, that have never won anything before, never won anything since, and he won the most difficult league in the world, which is in Italy in the 80s. 
no one else will go to a team that's not guaranteed to win. So that's the reason why I think he's the greatest. Because if whoever you want to name now who's great went to Bournemouth and won the league <laughs> in three years, that's great. Then they would be the best player in the world. But if you have nine or... How many strikers have Barcelona got now? You know, they can't put more bitch. If they're all in one team and they're guaranteed to win the league, I think it's a bit boring. It's a bit boring. And so really, the richest teams win the league every year in England, in Italy, in Spain, in Germany. It's the same teams. It's a fix. Whereas he did it with a team that never won. And I think that's what makes him the best. He did it when football was nasty and they literally would try and break your legs. And um, a, the top scorer in, in Diego Maradona's time, he scored 15 goals in one season. Now, if they score less than 45, it's been a bad year, you know. So, for me, that's why Diego's the one. And he did one. all that off his tits on coke four nights and, a week. And, <laughs> and he didn't train. Yeah. Exactly. So, as he said, not me, as he said, just imagine how good I could have been. <laughs> um, I have one more question before we finish up. There is a lot of footage in this movie of Diego dancing right he's a great dancer was there ever a six hour cut which is just him dancing and will you release it and call it Diego dancing <laughs> there is a lot of footage of him dancing and singing he loves to sing he does a lot of karaoke um, there, there is more footage to come um, one oh, day d- when DVD? this comes out on DVD or Blu-ray whatever the, whatever the home entertainment version is and there's a lot of great stuff of him young um, when he goes to Barcelona there's a whole section about that and, and actually when his leg is broken and how he deals with it so before he gets to Naples you know his career is over his story is one of death and resurrection constantly you know he's literally it's over he's failed it's a disaster and then he makes a huge comeback and then it's all over and he comes back again and so there is a lot more of him and, and I'll just check if we've got enough dancing in there we might add another sequence just <laughs> please for you do because you're right there's never enough of so Diego you, wait, dancing wait one more question I've got to know about this karaoke right how you've watched all that all all those Diego karaoke nights what was the best what, what was the go-to classic I mean, like, they're what, all Neapolitan song? songs though, so like, <laughs> come on you know they're, they're like really kind of emotional and he's crying and it's like they're beautiful he never did songs. Total Eclipse of the Heart no no there's no there's no like you know kind of Europe or something like that no no kind of 80s stuff although he did like you know he did like Queen and various people like that but there is a, you know the very beginning of the film he, who, did you notice that bit where he's on stage with a musician anyone recognise who he's on stage with no he's on stage with Eddie Grant there you go Eddie Grant oh, in Buenos right. Aires so he loves what I like about Diego Maradona though he's, he's like he loves his reggae he loves all sorts of music he loves his Neapolitan folk songs he loves a bit of kind of stadium rock um, he'll sing everything and dance to anything as his girlfriend said one of the reasons she fell for him was because he was a really good dancer to any kind of music as she said. <laughs> yeah he's crazy hips for a really small stout man he's a dancer <laughs> yeah he is a dancer who happened to play football <laughs> lovely Asif thank you so so much for, for coming thank here and joining so us. Big round of applause. Thank, thank you, everyone, for coming. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. All right. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.